0: Everybody go to Mark chapter one. If you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one under the chair in front of you. We want everybody to have the word of God in their hands so that you can see the word for yourself. So please take the opportunity to grab uh, that Bible. And we're gonna engage here just for a few moments and then we'll finish this morning with just a chance to respond to the Lord in worship and prayer. And so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into the word here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for life, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for truth. We thank you that you're good no matter what, and we thank you that you have seen our lives, crafting our lives, and that you have things that you want to impart to us. And so we're asking this morning, Lord, do your work of imparting. Show us what you're like. That's more than anything, we just want to know who you are. We want to know you and live out of the reality of who you are and who you say that we are. That's our heart cry we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you guys ready to wind down the year? you ready for this? How many are ready to say, Sayonara 2019. Ready for that? Yeah? So yeah, we're excited. Okay, good. How many of you are excited about 2020? Yeah? New decade? Yes. We're all excited, looking forward to that. Um, Inevitably, what happens at the end of the year, this happens at the end of the year, but it really happens at the end of a decade where you'll start seeing articles and probably on your social media accounts, you'll see like top 10 crazy things that happened over the last decade or top 10 plays if you're a sports nerd, top 10 plays that happened over the last year or the last decade or top 10 or like what, what were the biggest, um, I don't know, dressing trends, dressing? Is that what that's called? Fashion, Fashion thank you. I'm clearly not one of those people. All right, top 10 fashion trends of the last year or the last decade. You'll see these things in are trying to kind of, you're, look, you're doing this process of looking back, reviewing the last year, seeing what has happened, kind of taking stock of what's been going on in your own life and what's happened over these over the last year and certainly over the last decade, and we're trying to remember these things. And, and then inevitably, as you look back, then you have to begin to turn your attention forward and then over these next couple of days, you'll see about a bajillion articles talking about resolutions and all of the things that you've got to think about doing, the things that you want to fix, the things that you want to make new, the things that you don't want to do anymore, the pl- things that you want to see changed over the next year. And so I want to actually do something, uh, hopefully by the grace of God, we can do this together as a church. I want to like put the brakes on the resolution train, okay? As much as possible. And hey, listen, if you want to make a New Year's resolution, go for it. But I I would like to suggest that we just like pump the brakes on the whole train moving towards this resolution thing. And the Lord kind of put it in our heart um, for us to begin the new year thinking on a much broader scale. And so starting next Sunday, we're going to do a brand new series called You in Five Years. You in five years. So here's what we're going to do. We're not looking at resolutions, and that's, a, that's an awesome graphic. <laughs> our, our TV's wigging out this morning. You in five years. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the opportunity to say, listen, there are all kinds of great things we would like to see happen and some changes that we want. But ultimately, what we want to do is step way outside and say, God, you have designed and crafted us for a purpose that not, not just like, hey, there's some things that we wanna to try to get through over the next couple of weeks because we all know our resolutions crater by about February 1st. To put that to the side and say, God, you're crafting and creating something so much larger. You've spoken our life into existence. And even as I look at you, I wanna say this to you. If you're here and you're breathing, God has design on your life. He has plans And he wants us to begin to see and hear and listen to what he has for us. And so it's one thing to create a resolution to try to get better with some of our diets or some of the ways that we act or some of the habits that we have. It's an entirely different thing to take a step back and say, God, who are you crafting me to become? What do you wanna do in me in the next half decade? And so we're gonna take four or five weeks to begin to look at what God wants to craft in you What is he building in you for the long run? How is he fashioning you and where is he taking you? And the scripture has some powerful things to say, first and foremost, about who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. But I believe God wants to begin to give some clarity to the call on your life. And I want to say, again, say this you have a call. Call is not for pastors and missionaries call is on all of the people of God. He's made in his image. He has things that he wants to move and do in each one of us. And so that's where we're headed. But in order to do that, there has to be a line of communication wide open. So that's something that has to take place. If you and I are going to take time over the next month to begin to ask the question, God, how are you fashioning me? What are you crafting and what are you creating? What do you want to accomplish in my life over the next five years? That if we're going to do that, then the line of communication has got to be wide open. And so what I want to do is just to do a a brief dive into the issue of prayer this morning. That as we finish out this year and we begin to look to step into the next, not year, but five years, we have to ask the question, God, what, do you, what are you saying about me? And the way that we do that is coming before the Lord in the place of prayer, coming before him and saying, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? And where are you leading me? That happens in the place of prayer. And so here is the question that every one of us has to ask this morning, and this: this. What is it that keeps you and I from praying? What is it that keeps us from praying. Because my guess is this, it it would be entirely possible that you might have a resolution that goes something like this, especially if if you're a follower of Jesus, you're here in this room, you're going, I would love for in 2020 to pray more. We can set a resolution like that. I wish uh, I would like to be more obedient. I want to love God more. I want to give more of my life to the Lord. That's a, those sound like great things, but the question, in order to get to what God wants to do in our lives, we have to begin to ask, what is it that keeps us from actually being in a place of communicating with the King of the Universe? What is it that's holding us back? And so, we're going to do a quick dive into looking at Jesus, how and. Looking into his prayer life, how he prayed, and seeing, I think, the keys that are going to ignite a place of being able to come before the Lord, hear from him, and be launched into the next half decade. Look at your Bibles in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I think what we're going to begin to see here is that God wants to pull to the surface and expose those places of fear and unbelief that keep us from a life of prayer. That keep us from discovering who God is and what He wants to do in our lives. Mark chapter one. Look at verse. We'll start at verse twenty nine. Jesus is doing ministry, and it says He's doing ministry. And as soon as He left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon, this is by, by the way, Peter. Simon's mother in law was in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Just so interesting. Verse uh, 35 Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So here, we'll stop here. So here's this picture we have. Jesus is going and doing ministry. We see him show up. He's preaching. He's teaching in the synagogues all day. And then he, at the end of the day, he's going over to his friend's house. He, get, he gets to his friend's house, right? The sun is setting, which is, you know, in first century uh, church, when the sun is up, that's when the workday starts. And when the sun goes down, that's when the that's when the workday stops. And so he gets there. The sun has gone down. It's time for the workday to be over. He shows up at his friend's house, and his friend's mother-in-law is not well, and so they're asking him to heal her, so he heals her, and, and then he's moving about, He's and then when he gets there, everyone around is asking him to continue doing ministry, so he's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's going on doing the business, driving out demons who, by the way, he's telling to telling him to shut their mouths because they know exactly, and he's not ready to reveal who he is yet, which is just so fascinating. And another sermon for another day, but we won't do that now. But he's if you can imagine all of the ministry, everything that he's doing constantly pouring out, comes to the end, more to do. If you can imagine the exhaustion of a day like that. And what do we find Jesus doing? He gets up before everyone else, been pouring out, Like no one's business, he finds himself, he gets up. While it's still dark, and he goes off to a solitary place, and he prays. Now, I have to be honest with you, if I'm thinking about a crazy, full-fledged ministry day, I'm thinking, how much sleep or how much rest can I get to recoup for the next ministry day? But Jesus does something so strange. He gets up earlier to go and get into a solitary place to be before his father. See, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but as your life gets busier, I don't, and maybe this is just... just Confessions of a pastor, but as life gets busier, it seems like the easiest thing in the world to do is for prayer to be kind of the thing that gets stuffed behind. It seems like there's a billion things to do. There's a there's a, a ton of things you can be doing in ministry or your job or with your family or with your spouse or with your kids. There's t- always these tons of things to do, and it always seems like the first thing that is going to go in the midst of a busy life is prayer. But we have this example of Jesus doing something that seems radically strange. And this isn't a one time event. You can actually look all throughout the scripture, Luke chapter 5, verse 15. The news came about Jesus spread all the more so that the crowds of people came, came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and what? He prayed. You look at right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. Matthew chapter 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to what? Pray. I know what you're thinking. Good job, Keith. Keith you discovered that Jesus prayed. Excellent investigation of the word of God, okay? But here's what's so striking about, I want us to feel the weight of this, seeing the circumstances of what's going on. Over and over and over in scripture, here's what we see. A man is fully given, totally laying his life down. And when it's time to recharge, on the heels of being poured out, we see Jesus coming back to the source, his father, for refreshment, for comfort, for vision for where he's going and what he's doing. Now, there are lots of reasons. I just, there are many reasons and honestly, many ways we can engage in prayer. We thank, we can spend time thanking God for all that he's done. We can take time asking him for the things that we're asking him to move in our lives or we're asking him to move on behalf of our friends or family or uh, in some way we're asking God to, to move in power or to pull people into his family. There's lots of reasons and lots of ways that we come to the Lord in prayer. Often we can engage him. Sometimes we engage in prayer just because we think this is what you're supposed to do, right? This is what the... This is just from a religious standpoint. We're we're supposed to pray. We need to make sure that we get our, our time in the word or time praying. But I would just counter here with the purpose that we see in the life of Jesus in praying. It's not to ask God to go do more miracles or try to get God to make sure he's on God's good side. I think the record that we see from Scripture is Jesus going to the source to get refreshed, to say, God, this is the place where I come for vision. This is the place that I come to be made whole. This is the place that I come to get rest. Now, if you grew up in any kind of religious context, prayer was something you're supposed to do. What we see from Jesus is this is the place he gets to come. He sees prayer completely and utterly differently. Jesus pulled away in prayer because in that place there was a source of refreshment, comfort, and vision. You can throw that up on the screen, Luke. Jesus pulled away in prayer because that was the place for being refreshed, for finding comfort, and for receiving fresh vision for the days and the moments of head. Jesus was refreshed by the words of the Father. Jesus was given life. And at the end of his exhausting days, one of the most exhilarating things for him was the word of the Father over him to receive what God had to say. And so Jesus' examples, what it does is it pulls to the surface the reasons for why we come to the Lord in prayer. It begins to just expose the motivations. What is it that God is saying? What are our emotions towards prayer? When you think of it, is it, do you think of it as something I have to do or I should do or I'm supposed to do? What are our emotions? Listen, most of us in this room would say, I would love to pray more. I, most of us actually would say this. Listen, I believe that prayer is effective. I believe that prayer works. I don't, I'd say the majority of us wouldn't wrestle thinking that prayer doesn't have some kind of effect, and yet it often can be the first thing to go. And yet sometimes we have an emotionally unhealthy relationship with the thing called prayer because often the issue of prayer gets bound up into this activity that we're supposed to do. And I think what we see, Jesus is pulling the layers off of this thing saying, prayer church is not something you are supposed to do. Prayer is the place for comfort, life, and refreshment. It's the place for vision. I think God wants to begin to change our minds. If you want to see your heart and mind engaging in prayer in a new and fresh way, it will start with understanding God's design for it from the beginning. Because hear this, there are many things that God wants to do and release when we pray and ask. But first and foremost, the place of prayer is the place of relating with the King of the universe. It actually starts there. There are many things you were meant to release things that you were meant to be a part of in the kingdom of God, asking God to do and move in your spouse and to move in your children and to move in your workplace and to move in your own heart and to remove places that are broken inside of you. And we're going to ask God for all of those things. But hear this, the beginning point, the beginning place of prayer is coming to for connection and refreshment with our Father. That's what God's design is, first and foremost, we want to pray more. We want. We, many of us have had that, I wish I prayed more, I want to pray more, I wish I enjoyed it more, I wish I knew how to do it better. And the problem with our prayer lives is not that we're ill-trained necessarily for it, it's just that we come to this place often believing that God's not, delighted to meet with us, meaning this, our issue with prayer often lies primarily in fear and unbelief. It starts from a place of fear and unbelief. Every one of us believes that God moves through the, through the place of prayer. We'll, we'll say that. We have a knowledge of that. But what, the question is, do we actually believe it in, the inner, in, the, in our inner man? And so here's what I want to do. I just want to take a few moments here. And I just want to expose a couple of the core areas of unbelief that keep us from engaging the heart of God in the place of prayer. And then we're going to finish up by just taking time to worship and pray and engage him. Number one, these are just some core reasons why we struggle to engage God in the place of prayer. Number one, we don't believe God likes or enjoys us. We don't actually believe that God likes or enjoys us. See, God wants to draw us into trusting his goodness that actually refreshes us. And what, what I think we tend to forget all the time is that God is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. James chapter one, verse 16. Don't be deceived. So here's the deception. Here's where the enemy, if you will, here's where the deception comes in. Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Listen, part of the primary way that the enemy deceives his people is to keep them from understanding the goodness of the Father. He is so good. And you know what good fathers do? They delight in giving they delight in doing it. Now, we we had a big bright example of this just a couple of days ago. And when I was a kid, I don't know about you kids, I loved getting gifts. And then my parents would say this, "Man, it's so much more blessed to give than to receive." And I remember thinking, "No, receiving's awesome. All right, I just want more cool things." That's what I, I remember as a kid, I didn't totally understand that until one day I had kids for myself. And let me tell you what I, this, my kids will ask every year, here's what my kids ask. Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Cause they're killing, they're, they're, they're putting their list together. They're, they're, I mean, they, they've got lists. They've just got pages. One kid was taping pages together for stuff. It was like, you know, that's how that works. They got all these dreams and ideas and desires, right? And they're asking me, dad, what's, what do you want? And I always just tell them there's one thing, all I want or your hugs and kisses. And they're like, dad, that's so dumb. <laughs> so, uh, because let me tell you, let me tell you what my real delight is. I don't get, if I don't get another thing for the rest of my life, maybe a couple of gift cards for massages, because those are great, right? Am I, are you with me on that? No? Some of you are like, no. Some of you are anti-massage people. You're like, I would never want some stranger ever touching me, that's disgusting, why would you do that, right? That's right? It's like pretty, is it 50-50 here? Y'all are like, you're like, please don't talk about this, pastor. This is weird. Okay, no. Okay, we're gonna move on. Let me tell you the thrill of my heart. I I could never get another thing. When I give my children and they light up, when I give them a good gift and they light up, that's all I care about. It's the delight of my heart is to see my kids lighting up. Church, I'm a, I, I'm a poor shadow picture of what the real father is like, like. Let me tell you, God is lighting up to give you good gifts. Lighting up. The father is ready to give good gifts to his children. He is not... If you will, he's not the withholding and angry God maybe many of us grew up with hearing about in church. He's a father who is ready to give, but hear this, he's ready to have the conversation. Ready to have the conversation. Son, what's in your heart? Daughter, what is in your heart? The reason that we often struggle to engage God in prayer is because often we th- think we've got to bring our list of all the, th- all the, the things that we need or, all the, or, or we're coming to him and trying to let him know, well, yeah, I blew it this week and I was really a jerk and I didn't do right and I'm sorry that I messed up and I can't believe I keep sinning this way, but will you somehow please accept me? And what we have is a father who's saying, come because I'm the one that can fix and work in everything that you're wrestling with. Everything that's keeping you from a distance, I'm the one that will draw you in. I'm a good father and I give good gifts to my children. I think the most powerful picture we have, you've got Jesus in the garden the night before, he'll, the night he'll actually be arrested. And what do we see Jesus doing? He's coming to the Father. He's in the darkest. It's actually the darkest hour of his life. It's actually the darkest hour in all of human history. The darkest moment in all of human history. And what does Jesus do? I'm coming to my Father because I trust you for goodness. This hour seems really dark and what I'm about to walk through will be one of the greatest tragedies in the history of the world. Until three days later, by the grace of God, the goodness of God is seen. Let me tell you, If you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the voice of the Father is the place of goodness. That's what he, let me tell you, God has rich and beautiful things to say. This is who he is and this is what he does. We get to see Jesus walking right through that moment. Jesus came before the Father for peace He's trembling and even sweating, drops like blood, but he knew his father was good. He said, not my will, your way is better. I'm trusting in your goodness. Church, that moment is experienced only in the place of prayer. We, We can talk about it, and you can hear the preacher preach about it, but let me tell you, hear this. God wants you very personally to experience his goodness. He wants you to come. He's a good father, ready to speak his life over every one of us. It's what he does. God rewards those who are willing to come in and trust him. In fact, it's actually a command, Hebrews chapter 11. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Forever, Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Meaning, God is ready to give good gifts. He's ready to speak life and truth. But he's asking for faith, asking us to trust him by faith to come, to draw near and believe that he's good. There is a reward, if you will, for approaching And the reward is he gives us himself. I think sometimes we're afraid to pray because maybe there's a little bit of risk involved. When we come before the Lord, we're like, but if I come before the Lord, he's gonna maybe ask me to not do something that I really wanna keep doing. Or uh, if you've ever had the thought before, like, if I come and I really talk to the Lord, he's going to make me move to Africa, and I'm just not ready to do that. Or he's going to make me move to, like, Siberia, and I just can't do that. Or, you know, right? You ever had that thought? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready, ready to go there with the Lord yet because, uh, you know, I don't want to be up in, you know, northern Alaska trying to, like, save the caribou. Or whatever it is that you think God might be trying to do, right? Those kind of thoughts. We have those, those kind of thoughts, and here's, here's the beautiful thing about the Father is that what God's wanting to do is just begin to give you his heart so that you and I begin to love the things that he loves and hate the things that he hates. The, the point point in the place of prayer is for connection with him to receive his heart. You don't have to worry about what the Lord's going to ask or call you to. In fact, the truth is sometimes the Lord's going to ask us to step out in ways that might feel risky. It might feel different, might pull us out of our comfort zone, but the promise is that he's always leading us into his goodness, always. It's that promise we have, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Listen. Listen. When we pray, there's not a more powerful expression or declaration of the fear of the Lord than coming before Him and and, and opening our lives to Him and praying. What we're saying with our lives, with our actions, is I need you. I want to be near to you. I need you to cover my life. I need you for wisdom. I need you to be able to express worship and honor to you. I need you to comfort me in this moment moment or in this storm. I need you. That is the essence of the fear of the Lord. And the promises for those who fear the Lord are so powerful. You know, often we don't always believe that the Lord is listening. You ever been in that place where you're praying and you don't feel like anything's happening, right? Let me say Let me just, I'm just going to actually be, ask you to be brave and bold. You ever, have you ever prayed a prayer and you're like, I just don't feel like the Lord's hearing what's going on in my life. You ever been there, been that place? But we can be honest here. I'm a pastor. I felt that many times, right? I feel thankful to the Lord for his goodness because he doesn't always answer. He doesn't always answer in the timing or in the ways that we want, but I know this. God wants to draw us into trusting him when he is silent. God is actually in- intentionally pulling our heart out in fresh ways. In Luke chapter 18, there's a, 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 Jesus tells a parable. Uh, it, and uh, we actually have it here. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna read through it really quickly and then we're gonna close up. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and what not And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Powerful picture. Jesus tells this story and says, listen, there are going to come times where you're praying and it doesn't feel like he's listening. It feels like the Lord's totally silent. And here's what he's saying. Day and night come and trust that the Father is working for your good. So if you've ever come to the place of prayer and you feel like nothing's happening, guess what? Good news. He's working for you. He's covering you. He's walking before you. He's moving. You're asking for something. And he's going, you're asking for this over here. Dude, I'm doing this, this, and this over here. You got no idea about it. Trust me. Come. But I'm pulling your heart out in faith. What he's, and what Jesus says, I love that last line. Will he find faith on the earth? Meaning this, it's a good thing to pray when we don't see or we don't hear. We feel like nothing's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to the Lord to be in that place. So powerful. Often we want God to kind of be the cosmic genie to kind of do whatever we ask him for, but he's saying, I want you to trust me. Just keep coming and asking. I'll get your heart to the right place. Debbie, you guys can go ahead and come up. We'll finish up this morning. Finally, we often believe that we don't have enough to offer to God, meaning we don't think we're spiritual enough, that our prayer life is not powerful enough, and God wants to draw us into trusting his victory. This is what the Lord wants to do. Listen to me. Hebrews chapter 7 guarantees this. Jesus right now is praying on our behalf, covering us. This is who he is. This is what he does. It's a beautiful picture that we have. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priest, per, priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Listen to me. You don't have to come with your track record. You don't have to come with your perfect spiritual life. You don't have to come with your maturity. God wants us coming in prayer because He's ready to meet us in that place. He's our advocate. You don't have to come with beautiful, eloquent words. You just want to come with authenticity and honesty. Jesus meets authenticity and honesty. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is our high priest. You don't have to be that. You don't have to try to foster the connection with the Father. If you've thought, well, my life is in shambles and I'm a million miles away and my life is not right. Jesus came to this earth and went to a cross and took all of our brokenness on him so that we could forever have access to the Father. That's what he wants to do. God's ready for you and I to have full and total access to him. That's what he's calling for. We can try to do all the spiritual Olympics to try to make ourselves ready to pray. What Jesus is saying is, I'm here for you. I'm your advocate. You just come to me and let's go. Let's do this. I want you to stand with me. We're just going to ask him. We're going to finish this way this morning. Just by asking that God would grant radical grace to come to him in the place of prayer. If you put your stuff down um, and as much as you're, if you're po- if you're willing as possible for you, maybe just open up your hands to receive from the Lord. There are many things that you need to, you need the Lord to do in your life. Or maybe you're asking the Lord to do and that's good. But the Lord first this morning wants us just to come to receive his goodness. And so Lord, we're going to open our hands this morning. Father, would you shower your goodness on us? Good fathers give good gifts. Good fathers delight in seeing their children live. who you are. Now receive the delight of God. His delight, His joy, His smile. You're His. We receive you, Jesus, right now. We receive your goodness. Father, we receive your delight. We want to walk in a new way. Would you help open our heart? First and foremost, there's so many things you want to call us to do. There's so many things that we need to ask you for, but we start as children. They receive the delight of the Father. We thank you for your goodness. We're just gonna we're gonna sing. Give our hearts a chance just to respond to Jesus truth is we're going to sing a song but you can sing anything that's in your heart to sing but just let your heart connect with him for a moment and then we'll close our time out this morning let's worship him together